Well, welcome to the next episode of Plays in Action. Uh, this one's all about the Western and Eastern semifinal in this 2021 uh, CFL season. Uh, it's been an interesting week, some interesting uh, developments uh, at the end of the week here. Uh, we'll definitely dive into that and what that means for uh, the the betting lines, your DraftKings lineups, and that those sorts of fun things for sure. But um, uh, but here we are, Ben. We're in uh, the the Eastern Western semifinal. How you doing? How was the game last week at uh, Mosaic? Well, it was a pretty fabulous time to be there. Like I, like I said on Twitter, it was the best, greatest, most terrible, ugly thing that I've ever witnessed in my life that I couldn't <laughs> have been happier to be at. Right. Like what? (laughs) Seven interceptions and eight turnovers and just like horrendous football, but great drama, good entertainment. Even the kids enjoyed it at minus five or whatever it was for four hours out there. Nobody really complained. It was a good time. And you know what? You know, that may well have been the Riders' Grey Cup right there, right? Like the road through Winnipeg is a lot tougher path. So at least we got the home totally. game win in the playoffs this year that fans can go home happy with. Because yeah, this week, this week and we'll get into it later. This week is a lot more of an uphill battle. It is, yeah. it is tough to see paths to victory for Saskatchewan. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it was a fun weekend last weekend. I mean, you and I talked about it on the episode last week. We, uh, I think we were we were betting on Calgary. Uh, but we were hoping with our hearts that it would be the Riders. So we might have lost our bets, but I think uh, you and I were happy. Yeah, if uh, I could regardless. pay a hundred bucks for a Riders win wherever I want it, I'll pay my hundred bucks for a Riders win wherever <laughs> I want it. Right? Like uh, there, it was a no lose situation. You're welcome, yeah. Saskatchewan Rough Riders. <laughs> I bought you Rider that victory. Bill. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Ben. Thank you. You're ben welcome. Young. What can I say except you're welcome? <laughs> well, you know what. Rider Nation and all of our listeners could thank us back by going over to Prize Picks and using the code Benyamin. Uh, can you tell our listeners about Prize Picks, Ben? Yeah, if they've never listened before or they just haven't done their part, as they should have a long time ago. Prize Picks is a time. site that makes fantasy sports simple. Just pick over unders on two to five players on individual stats or fantasy scores from more sports than you can count and win money. Right now, if you sign up with promo code BENYAMIN, you can get 100% bonus on your first deposit and help support the show. That's Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. Yes. Well, tonight's, or today, this episode <laughs> is, is going to be a brief one. So this is what Ben and I are going to do. Uh, we realize we're not in the, the midst of the season where, you know, trying to build your best DraftKings lineup and looking at the last weekend... Uh, we're not there. It's it's the playoffs. Uh, the contests aren't huge. Uh, the player pool isn't massive. Uh, so what we're gonna we're not we're gonna skip over recapping. Uh, and what we want to do is we want to just take a look at the Eastern final, Western final, what that looks like from a betting perspective, uh, what that looks like for building uh, lineups. So it's a Friday evening. Uh, there's been lots going on in Toronto. Uh, if you haven't seen the news already, so we'll touch on that a little bit uh, and how that. Uh, plays into your betting lines and your drafting lineups, but uh, but first of all, we want to take a look at the the East final. So that's the first game on Sunday. Uh, that's Hamilton at Toronto. Uh, when I looked at it earlier today, I saw Hamilton minus two uh, with an over under of forty four. I don't know if that's moved much this afternoon. Ben, what are you seeing? <laughs> As we said last week, twenty twenty one hot mess. That's kind of been the story of this 
Hamilton Toronto game over the last eight hours of news coverage or so. So yeah, it's Hamilton at Toronto, 44 over under now, which is down two and a half from this morning when it was still at 46 and a half. Mm. And it's now sitting at Hamilton minus two, whereas I think it was still Toronto minus one and a half this morning when the sun came up. So yeah, like what a dumpster fire here. Toronto opened up two and a half, minus two and a half at the beginning of the week. And the line was down to pick this morning, Mm -hmm. right around 10 o'clock here. And then the news hit that Macbeth broke COVID protocols at the Raptors game last night and didn't even try to hide it because he did a sideline interview on TSN and he has to quarantine for four days. That would put Pippen in at quarterback, right? Him and Frodo and the rest of the Mm -hmm. raving band would be trying to run for 200 (laughs) yards and a win. But that would have... Yeah, (laughs) no sting. Uh, That would probably be their only hope. (laughs) So that would have Macbeth out till Tuesday if the law of the land were to be followed. So the line shifted really quickly to Hamilton minus two and a half and then disappeared off the board altogether. And then about two hours later, the league came out early on this afternoon and changed the rules so that Macbeth can play this weekend with a negative test, but he can't be with the team to practice or in the building or with teammates or anything like that until the morning of game day. So then the line came back on the board at Hamilton minus two now. So beginning of the week when I saw Toronto minus two and a half, I actually looked on Bet Regal and got an alternate line of Hamilton minus two at, I think, plus 180. So I was getting plus money on what I thought was probably a fair line anyways at Hamilton minus two. And now that's the standard line that you're getting at minus 110 or minus 120. So Hamilton was one and three versus Toronto this season, but two of those three losses were by a single point. So really those games could have gone either way. And I liked Hamilton minus two, like I said, even before this whole Macbeth debacle today. So the weather there this weekend, I don't think is supposed to be a huge deal, right around zero light winds, mm-hmm. chance of a sprinkle of snow, but basically it's seasonal weather for CFL playoff football. So yeah, I am probably in the camp of Hamilton minus two, even before the Macbeth debate. And now that it seems Macbeth will probably get to play, assuming that he tests negative on Sunday. But even there, he's missed a couple of days of walkthrough. It's going to be awkward for the team to try and get back on their feet. I'm pretty closely in the Hamilton camp on this one, whether you want the money line to play it safe or whether you got on it earlier in the week to get a better line. There's certainly money to be made on Hamilton this week, I think. How about your take, sir? Yeah, yeah, it's been a whirlwind of a day uh in toronto i'm not sure if the players if that matters to them if that's going to make any difference on the field when they're playing i don't think it will be um yeah the weather yeah it's around zero 60 chance of flurries i saw earlier today um to me the the big one is is the under on this one um taking a look at it i think both the times these teams met up this season both of those games were under um and Hamilton's been out of their last 18 games they've landed on the under 14 of those times uh so uh yeah the under is would be the bet that I would be looking at uh, at 44 uh I don't think this is going to be a big blowout shootout uh, scoring affair kind of thing like that for sure so uh I know to your point yeah Hamilton's now won five of their last six games straight up and against the spread uh, funny enough, though, their only loss in there was to Toronto. Yeah, and that was a that was a pretty big blowout too. So 
yeah, so I think for that one, I think the uh, the under is probably the bet that I would be going for, um, and I would lean uh, Hamilton to win that one at minus two, minus one and a half, whatever you can get. Um, what about props? What sort of props have you been seeing for this game, Ben? It's been a funny one because, again, a lot of props disappeared off the board as soon as they thought Macbeth was out of the game, and most of them haven't come back yet, so you'll have to keep your eyes out. Um, for sure, I have money right now on Mazzoli over 265 passing yards. His actual mm. projection by the math is somewhere around 250, which would be the under, but he's passed for over 300 yards in each of his games versus Toronto this season. I don't have much reason to believe that he's going to be under that again. So I took the over on 265 yards. I also took the over on 27 and a half pass attempts. He projects for mm-hmm. 31.9 this week. So that's a solid 10, 15% edge that you've got there. Um, the other couple for Hamilton are going to be a little bit concerning as to whether Addison is going to be playing right now. So far this week, Addison practiced partially and now has totally missed the last two practices and coach's interview. He said they're trending towards Addison being out this week. If he is active, then I think you want to take the unders on the Tim Tim White bets. As Tim White, I think, had four receptions or 45 yards for his props this week. Uh, White likely gets bumped out to the field wide receiver position or all the way to the bench if Addison plays. If Addison is out, though, then I think those two plays are probably ones you're not going to want to be interested in. So probably hold off until the depth charts come out and we know whether Addison is absolutely in or not. The other one that I've seen that it seems to have disappeared is they took down pretty much the entire Argos offense after the Macbeth news. If the Mm. Huff props come back up again, Josh Huff's prof was five receptions for the over-under this week. And there's a good chance that he doesn't start, even if he plays. (laughs) So taking the under on five receptions is pretty safe. And I think the over-under was about 54 yards receiving as well. So I'd say you can take both unders quite confidently if those ones pop back up every year again. As I said, Huff probably doesn't start. It'll probably Rogers, Daniels, Collins and Gittens, and then a bunch of guys rotating through that fifth spot in the core. They've had about 18 different receivers active at different points this week, and I think 12 of them would be available this week, depending on who they want on the roster. So Huff has a lot of competition for targets this week, uh, especially with most of those starters coming back. So under five receptions and under 55 yards both seem like pretty safe bets this week. Yeah, those do look good. Okay, so that's the betting lines for the first game on Sunday, Hamilton at Toronto. Uh, the second game, Saskatchewan at Winnipeg. Uh, so right now, the betting lines I've seen are about minus eight and a half uh, for the Bombers, uh, with a forty-four and a half over/under. Uh, this is one where I think the weather is definitely going to come into play. It's supposed to feel like minus twelve, seventy percent chance of snow, uh, so it might be a little bit more of a whiteout and probably a little bit chillier out there. Um, uh, sort and of, your winds are, your winds are gusting 50 to 60 K. So you're going ooh. to have minus 20 wind chills with 50, 60 K winds and a chance of snow that they're going to be playing a football game in. I, I've coached through a game like that before and that's miserable, right? Like it doesn't matter how much you oh. wear as a coach, you're cold. And with those players wearing maybe long sleeve under armor at best, it's going to be a tricky game for the kids who are playing that night. So, yeah, yeah, definitely keep an eye on the weather, but expect that one's going to be kind of a winter dumpster fire. 
<laughs> hot mess, but it's not going to be mess. hot. Yeah. <laughs> cold mess. So, so cold. Um, yeah, like this one, again, this is one where I'm like, the, the under is, is uh, what I'm most attracted to. Uh, both the times these guys met in the season, they finished under. Uh, their last five matchups against the Riders and, and Blue Bombers has stayed under as well, too. So to couple that with this weather, um, yeah, that, you know, 44, uh, 45, yeah, I'm slamming the under on that one. Yeah, and it's continued to come down. I think it opened up at 46 and a half this week, and if it's down to 44 now, you can see where the sharp money is going already. And yeah, mm. Winnipeg, I think Winnipeg opened at minus six and a half, and they're all the way to eight and a half, and it could certainly still be... 10 or 10 and a half by the time we get to game time because the riders got blown out both times by winnipeg and that was early on in the season um before we really knew who either of these teams were per se but the riders right. scored a total of 17 points in those two games while giving up 56 and now they're likely to be down their sack leader ac leonard duke williams has turf toe and uh, Lucia's Purifoy is in prison, it seems. So they've yeah. got uh, they got issues. He's out yeah. on good behavior, but yeah, like it's been a rough week for the Rough Riders this week on many different fronts. Winnipeg, yeah. on the other hand, is fully healthy. They are playing at home where they were undefeated in the regular season. And I love the Riders, but there's really no sensical logical reason to believe that they win this one or really even keep it within eight and a half points as is the current line they didn't come close to keeping it within eight and a half in either of the games this year so like you yeah. said earlier the weather's going to be minus 20 with the wind chill it's going to be maybe worse than that by the time the game ends with winds at 20 to 30 miles an hour anytime weather is that bad anything can happen at a football game Right, like yeah. things can just go terribly for either side, and it could absolutely flip on a dime, and they could be playing through a foot and a half of snow, like that Eagles and Lions game back about a decade <laughs> ago, where it was literally yeah. up to their knees by halftime. Like in, when you're playing in conditions like that, anything can happen in a football game. So sure, the Riders could win. Uh, as I've been asked, I gave them about a five percent chance to win this game. That's kind of my yeah. take. If they played. If they played 20 times this season, the Riders might take one, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. kind of about where I think their chances are. But yeah, as for props in the game, uh, there wasn't a lot to like going into this one. We'll see what kind of pops up after the depth charts come out. If Duke Williams is indeed limited or maybe even out on Sunday, I think the Key and Schaefer Baker props of three and a half receptions and 36 and a half yards taking the overs on those seems night is Schaefer Baker would probably become the second target in the offense uh maybe even the top target in the offense and they're more than likely going to be playing from down quite a ways they'll want to keep the ball on the ground and it might be Captain Cody running 32 times pulling a Kerry Joseph type of performance where it, it's just shotgun draw after shotgun draw and hoping for the best because passing in that weather is going to be tough. But I think over three and yeah. a half receptions for Schaefer Baker and 36 and a half yards, if Williams is indeed limited or out or pretty safe plays on the props market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that eight and a half line is one that I would be curious to watch because if that creeps up to like nine, nine and a half, ten, like that's one where I might take the riders and the points Right, uh, because uh, because of the weather, right? This could be yeah. a you know a 
a 13 10 final or you know nine, it could be eight four final. right <laughs> yeah two field uh, goals and a safety versus a field goal and a rouge right like it yeah. could absolutely be the way the game plays out so yeah yeah so that yeah that's one where i might i might throw money on the riders just ah uh, same thing I, I bleed green and, and white but um but yeah i think it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting game for many different reasons for sure so there's probably medication uh, for that. <laughs> Some sort of topical ointment, maybe? Yeah, I don't like, know. I, I, I'm a Riders fan, but I still bleed red. If it's green and white, that sounds diseased. <laughs> we probably should get that looked at, my friend. <laughs> Go see a doctor. Yeah. Uh, not a doctor. Um, okay, so those are the betting lines for uh, the Eastern and Western final this weekend. Uh, let's jump over to DraftKings, and um, let's try and build a couple lineups here today. Um, Ben, what are you seeing at the the QB position? Yeah, it's it's a funny thing when the Bombers didn't play last week because their salaries didn't get ratcheted up like a lot of other players. And so the top plays at each position come in priced a little bit below most of the other top priced players simply because they had a week off. And uh, that means their salaries just kind of sit where they were. So at quarterback, Zach Kolaros is going to be the top projected passer, which is kind of a funny one because he's kind of been fantasy garbage through most of the year just because it doesn't get high enough upside to be able to play him. But when you've only got four teams and they have the highest team total by a ways, like I think Winnipeg's implied team total is 27 and a half right now, whereas Toronto is about 22, Hamilton 21, and Saskatchewan 16 and a half. So mm-hmm. when their implied team total is 10 points higher than anyone else on the board, they're going to pop quite a ways in projections because that's an extra touchdown or two that they have to compile for their offense. So Kolaros is on top of the projections, salary of 9,900. He's also the best value um, given a projection just over 20 points. There's really no reason to think that you're going to get the other guys that are going to outperform him so much that he's a bad play. It's going to be a matter of whether you're going to take kind of the contrarian pivot at the quarterback position because I'm very certain that Kolaros will be the highest owned passer um, in part Jeremiah Mazzoli has been a little bit on and off and his salary is another thousand dollars higher than Kolaros with like I said an eight point lower implied team total on the road um, they're not going to have nearly the same kind of ownership for Hamilton um, his receivers are also going to be a little bit more expensive overall so it's just going to be a little bit tougher to jam Mazzoli in there, so probably he's a little bit lower owned. And then Macbeth, it's hard to know what to do with that guy. He's had games of 35 points, and I think he's had at least six in single digits this season. And versus mm-hmm. Hamilton, it's been that kind of full Jekyll and Hyde performance as well. So I think you can probably have some exposure to Mazzoli and Macbeth in tournaments if you have multiple entries, but Kolaros is pretty clearly the single entry in cash game quarterback. And then you've got Poor Captain Cody at 11,000 with the lowest quarterback projection of just 15 <laughs> points. Uh, the salaries don't make much sense this week. And uh, yeah, poor Cody versus Winnipeg is the highest priced quarterback on the slate by a wide margin. I'd be surprised if he has 5% ownership and even that's probably a wasted 5%. There's a chance, like I mentioned, that he runs 15 times for 130 yards and two touchdowns and passes for 70 yards through the air. 
that could be a legitimate mm. game plan they have. Winnipeg has one of the poorer rush defenses in the league. Um, Fajardo's really the only quarterback that's left in the playoffs that could run with that kind of capacity. Um, uh, we'll see what they choose to do with it, but certainly trying to pass the ball 35 times a game versus Winnipeg in their other two meetings was a disastrous plan. It went terribly. They got laughed off the field. So maybe you want yeah. one Cody lineup if you're playing a half dozen lineups, cause you know, he's going to carry no ownership and justifiably so. And, uh, hope for a miracle if you're really a if you bleed green and white like jared and haven't had that medicated yet uh, so yeah mazzoli and uh Macbeth could be fine contrarian kind of pivots but i think Kolaros is probably the way to go at quarterback this week are you doing any sort of lineup with uh pipkin in there as just like a flyer yeah, like I think that's probably one I'm not going to build around, but I'll keep my eyes open on Sunday morning while I'm sitting around and supposed to be working. Um, because <laughs> the reality is the game starts at 1130 here. Um, we should know at least half an hour ahead of time or more, hopefully, if Macbeth indeed tests positive and can't play that game. Because if Pipkin is only mm -hmm. 6,800 and starting, he's worth some exposure to just for what it'll let you do unique lineup-wise. Because right. Pipkin will be sub-5% owned too because you're just not going to get many people reacting that late to changing news. So Pipkin, mm -hmm. again, has that kind of Fajardo-like opportunity to run for 100 yards and a pair of touchdowns. And at that point, it really doesn't matter if he only passes for 70 or 100 yards. He's already made his money on that $6,800 salary. So it's worth keeping your eyes on the news on Sunday morning to see what pops up. Because if he's there, then yeah, you probably want at least a little exposure to Pipkin because he's a terrible quarterback, but he's an exceptional running back. <laughs> and if that's what they need from him that day, they've shown that when he starts, they adjust the game plan accordingly. And you can expect he'll get at least a dozen carries out of the backfield. So he'd be maybe the best priced running back on the slate at 6,800. So if you just want to think of him in that sense, he's not a terrible play if the opportunity pops up. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Good to know. Uh, running back. Um, looking at DraftKings, I see they still have the little IR beside Andrew Harris, but I did see in the news that uh, he is officially off the injured reserve now. Right. Um, what does, how does he play into your uh, DraftKings lineups? Yeah, it's another one where it seems like probably Harris is trending towards playing. According to most mm -hmm. of the media that I've talked to in Winnipeg, he has practiced at least partially and in full a couple of days. Today, he trended down a little bit to a partial practice, but like that might just be that they're not going to give him any strenuous work right before game day if they know he's playing. So again, we'll see depth mm -hmm. charts tomorrow. We'll see if he's on it, but I would assume at this point that probably Harris is going to play. He's practiced all week and seems likely to play Sunday versus Saskatchewan. He is just about... Well, he is the top projected running back by four points over whoever is next, Foster and Jackson, both in the 12-point range. Um, he's a little bit less expensive than, again, William Powell down there at 10300 for those poor Rough Riders who got priced up. I'm 
absolutely inexplicably versus Winnipeg. So yeah, you've got Harris at 9,600, mm-hmm. who would probably be an $11,000 salary if they were keeping eyes on it, because that's kind of where Standback and Carrier tapped out the last few weeks. So he's actually a reasonable mm-hmm. value this week, as all things considered. Foster and Jackson are next in line, like I said, just over 12 points and about $2,000 cheaper. So you do get a little bit of salary relief there if you go to the cheaper ones. Jackson in particular is a little bit interesting as if Addison does sit, he maybe gets a little bit extra bump in projection as well because he'll get an extra carry or two that Addison would have probably taken as a ball carrier out of the backfield as he tends to when he's in the lineup. Jackson also has a little bit higher touchdown share in the offense than Foster does. Um, He just doesn't get quite as many opportunities as a receiver, and that's where Foster tends to make his money. So they're both Mm -hmm. priced similarly, but run in very different game scripts. Jackson's higher TD ratio gives him a little bit of an edge in my mind as far as a secondary option at running back if you're not playing Harris. And as I said, William Powell priced up over 10K is pretty much dead to me. I wish him well in his life, but there's zero chance that I will have any Powell in any of my lineups this week priced over 10000 given the uh, 16-point team total, the bad weather, and the fact that even at his best, he's rushing for four yards a carry. So they're probably going to need a lot more than that. Even last week at home, Morrow was starting to get a few looks out of the backfield getting carries and mm-hmm. targets. They're starting to work him into the offense a little bit more. And we might see a little bit more of that if they skew run heavy in bad weather, where you see Powell get 10 carries and Morrow get four or five and see if they can spring something to the edges with a guy who's got a little bit more speed in his legs than what Powell has at this point. Um, Powell's basically making his playing time on his pass blocking and experience. And if they don't want to pass a lot, and if it's going to be impossible to pass because of 40 mile an hour winds, well, then you might get a lot of two back sets in which Morrow gets a chance to shine a little bit this week versus Winnipeg. So yeah, Powell is pretty much a total fade in my books. Yeah. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, Timmy's going a little crazy with his salary this week. That's for sure. Oh, Timmy. Now, if um, Kolaris is is looking to be kind of the number one QB for DraftKings lineups, does that mean uh, those Winnipeg receivers are going to be kind of the the top owned or the ones that you're going to certainly be uh, putting a lot of bets on? Yeah, it's kind of the both end there, right? Like with the implied team total of 27, the receivers get the same boost that the quarterback does, that the running back does, because they've got the best chance at touchdowns, and touchdowns are what win tournaments. So the Bombers make up now three of the top four projected uh, players at wide receiver with Addison assumed out at this point. So the complication you're going to have is if you're playing Andrew Harris at running back, then you're probably going to have to max one of Lawler, Dembski, or Bailey. Maybe you can fit in Dembski and Bailey if you're punting the other two flex spots, um, just because the salaries are going to be up there. Dembski and Bailey both in that 8K range. If you're playing 10K Harris and 10K Kalaros, well, all of a sudden your salary is gone. And also you're just kind of running to the edges of how much they can possibly score in a given game. So probably Harris needs a touchdown for value. If you want to hit him, you're probably going to have to pick one of those Winnipeg receivers as part of a stack with Kalaros. Um, Adams is an interesting kind of total contrarian pivot as he's priced almost near 9K and he's only gotten four targets a game this season. So 
Again, anything can happen in one week. Maybe Adams gets one catch for 70 yards and a touchdown, and it's the only <laughs> touchdown scored in the game, and all of a sudden he's a must-have if you're going to win. So like maybe if you're playing 10 lineups in some contests that you have one Darvin Adams lineup knowing he's probably going to be a 0.5 value for you, but knowing he's also probably going to be 5% owned on a two-game slate, and that gives you an opportunity that if he does pop, all of a sudden you're in the driver's seat. So the other top five receiver this week is Brandon Banks with Addison assumed out. Banks could be a sprinkle, I think, if Addison does indeed sit out. Otherwise, Banks is pretty drastically overpriced. Um, his salary up near 11K now, I believe. Yeah, 10900 So Banks is yeah. somewhat interesting, again, as a sprinkle, but he's pretty tough to justify if you're playing single entry or cash games. Tim White, I think, could be the biggest winner, as I mentioned earlier, if Addison's news is that he is indeed out. White would probably be the biggest beneficiary, getting his normal target share of almost six targets a game, still priced kind of moderately around 7400 He's a reasonable value and a pretty decent play versus a Toronto secondary that's given up a few big plays this year. As for the Toronto receiving core, um, <laughs> as I mentioned, it's probably Rodgers, Daniels, Collins, and Gittins that are four of the starting five. And then it could be any of literally a dozen other guys who could get that fifth starting spot or be a part of a rotation at wide receiver. None of these Toronto receivers are averaging over seven targets a game at this point. And that's kind of a mm. threshold that you would want for guys who are going to be you're paying 8K plus four, as most of those guys are at this point. Um, this Hamilton secondary was second in the league in terms of yards and touchdowns allowed per target. So all those Toronto receivers are going to come out as pretty bad values overall um, in mm. a place where the implied team total isn't very high. The salaries are relatively high. The target shares are relatively low compared to the other teams. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to be kind of bearish on Toronto receivers this week, unless you're stacking Macbeth and want to have one or two of them in that. And then that again leaves the poor Saskatchewan offense. Uh, Duke Williams could be a solid value if he was healthy, but if he plays with turf toe, you have to assume that he's going to be pretty limited no matter what they shoot his foot full of. And he's a real stretch then at 7K versus that Bombers secondary that really hasn't given up big plays to anybody this year. Um, no. That could leave Kean Schaefer and Baker to be a little bit of a beneficiary in targets with Duke Williams potentially out or limited. Schaefer Baker is just over 6K, similarly priced to Duke Williams, but he could get a lot of those Duke targets if he is limited in the game. Um, that leaves Paul McRoberts, McBob. McBob is the only real punt <laughs> priced option on the slate. Um, you've got <laughs> not too many options for salary relief this week. Um, yeah. As of now, he's probably going to be fairly highly owned, I would guess, as a result of being the only starting receiver that is below 6K. And as a result, even in a terrible lineup, in a terrible matchup, in a terrible passing attack, as its fourth or fifth option, McBob is probably going to be way more owned than he should be just because optimizers are starving for value. Um, I'd yeah. like to get away from McBob if I can. I'm not sure who it would be. Hopefully depth charts reveal something to get away from him on. If not, mm. you're going to be playing somebody like David Ungerer at, uh, sorry, David Ungerer the third 
at 2600 <laughs> um who might not even get a target in the game to be perfectly honest or playing somebody like drew wallatarski as the fifth receiving option in winnipeg and he's over 4k which feels really icky for a punt play but again that's kind of the trade-offs you're going to have to be making if you're not playing 3300 mcbob at wide receiver just because if you're playing a bunch of these players that are 8k 9k 10k you're going to have to save the money somewhere and those those are really the only punt options that exist with none of the starting running backs below 7k. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting lineup build. It's certainly going to have to compete with uh, the salaries as well. Um, and then because of that, does that mean again, this is just another week where whatever de- defense you can afford, just jam it in there? I think to some extent, like right now in the optimals that I ran, I ran a hundred lineups and I think the Winnipeg defense, even at 6,200 popped up in over half the lineups for the week. Um, Mm. they, they averaged 15 draft points a game this season. So even at 6,200, they wind up being one of the better values at any position this week. Um, it's just difficult to get over that hump of making yourself pay over 6k for a defense <laughs> when you know salaries are already tight. But the reality yeah. is that's probably the safest play if you're playing single entry or cash games. Uh, the Tiger Cats and Rough Riders are probably the next most interesting options. The Tie Cats at 5200 save you a thousand over the Blue Bombers. They don't have nearly as high a ceiling for sacks and turnovers. And they're likely to give up more points given uh, the situation and weather. But if you're saving money, then the Thai Cats are certainly an option. Toronto gave up a league high 27 turnovers this season. So there will be the opportunity there. And we know that the uh, dangerous returners Hamilton has, that that's always a possibility as well. I think Saskatchewan is the other pivot opportunity. They're the cheapest defense on the slate at only 4,500. Uh, I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't want to play the Sask defense versus a Kolaros double stack. That's a really bad correlation there. Anything can happen, but it's a it's a terrible correlation to build from. But if you're not playing a Kolaros double stack, if you're pivoting somewhere else at quarterback or just playing even a single stack Kolaros lineup, I think you could still probably find paths to playing the Rough Riders defense for the salary relief that they offer almost $2,000 over Winnipeg for the shot that they were still top three in sacks and turnovers over the course of the season. There is the opportunity for upside in a bad weather game that Saskatchewan could turn a weird fumble or a weird interception into a touchdown. And all of a sudden they're the highest scoring defense on the slate, even if they wind up giving up 30 points on the game, simply because that six points for the touchdown and another two for the turnover, that doesn't just disappear. Right, that's in a two-game slate. Mm-hmm. Weird things happen. So even as I set up my optimizer mm-hmm. rules on a weekly basis, I have no problems playing three or four offensive players versus my defense on just a two-game slate because anything can happen and lead to a score, which then all of a sudden that's the defense that you need to win the contest on a given week. So be open to weird things happening with your defense versus offensive players and uh, let it rip as opposed to most people will set up zero offensive players versus their defense when they're running a set of lineups on a given week. And that really does leave out a lot of good possibilities uh, given how high the volatility is is on defensive units. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like, again, this is going to be one of those weeks where 
uh, kind of the winning lineups are going to be made or broken in the in the wide receiver position. Uh, it seems like QB is kind of coin flip, running backs kind of a coin flip, but it's that wide receiver trying to uh, build a a decent lineup within the salary. Uh, yeah, to, to to try and find something that's affordable, and maybe you get lucky with a punt pick. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting lineup build this week for sure. Okay, Ben, I think that's uh, I think we did it. We got through uh, the betting lines. We got through DraftKings lineup builds and all that kind of good stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that's about it. We will uh, get this episode uploaded so you guys can uh, get listened through this and then get um, your lineups built and your bets in, and then hopefully you'll have a uh, successful Sunday. Yeah, we have one more week to the finish line, sir. So eyes on the prize. Keep one foot in front of the other. Don't trip and fall on your face. We're almost there. We can do this. Clear eyes, pure hearts. Always there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. Uh, what he said. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. Awesome. Have well, fun, thanks. folks. Enjoy the playoffs and good luck in all your contests. Yeah, good luck indeed. All right, take care.